Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Luke 17th chapter from verse 20, New International Version. Once on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the, king, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's in your what? In your midst, talking to the Pharisees, verse 22. And then he said to his disciples, the time is coming, when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. People will tell you, there it is, or here he is, there he is, or here he is. Don't go running after them. For the Son of Man in his day will be like lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. Verse 27, people were eating, drinking, marrying, being given to marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. Then the flood came and destroyed them all. It was the same in the days of Lot. People were eating and drinking and buying and selling and planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be just like this on the day the Son of Man is revealed. On that day, no one who is on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one who's in the field should go back to get for anything. Remember Lot's wife. Whoever tries to keep their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will preserve it. I tell you on that night, two people will be in bed. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. One will be taken and the other left. Where, Lord, they asked. He replied, where there is a dead body, the vultures will gather. Let's go. Father, move in power. Help me, God, to clearly communicate that which you've communicated to me. Help me to articulate. Use these lips of clay. Speak to all of us, I pray. Take a coal from your altar, place it upon us. God, we would, our hearts would burn. Let our hearts burn within us. And the truth of your word and the time and the hour in which we live. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. On April the 9th, there is a prayer breakfast for Mayor Edna DeVries, who's on the second row. And uh, Mayor, we love you and your husband, and we have for these many years. I'm so glad that there is a prayer meeting and uh, it was put together by Karen Crandall. I don't know for those of you that are 
uh, able to throw that slide up for just a moment. The call to arms. Do you have the flip side to it also? Very good. There's that QR code. Somebody's paying attention. There is a QR code and uh, you can you can take a picture of that right now with your phone and then you can go and access the website that Karen Crandall and team have put together. It's not something that we've put together here at the church, but we are certainly endorsing it because we just love Mayor Edna. And, uh, and of course, uh, Karen, we love you too. You're here. Yeah, God bless you. Uh, except next year, you'll be hard pressed to keep me out of being fully involved in that. It's just it didn't sync up with timing and some different challenges we had that I take personal responsibility for. But we are encouraging you to go to that should the Lord lead you to. And um, you can pay at the door, have breakfast, but really it's about prayer. And when I was um, showing these young men my socks, which are worthy of being seen. Let me hear Here you go. Did I scare you, Pastor Kirsten? It'll be okay. Yes. I looked over. I looked over at you and I realized you didn't have remotely enough prayer. Because what God's calling you to do is to pierce through some of these things of the darkness. And that's kind of what you're feeling even now. And I, that's why I just said, oh, I'm going to take a moment. I did this in the morning service. We prayed and uh, invited people to that. And uh, it's probably going to sell out, Karen. So, you know, wonderful. We, we lift you up now. You've been called by God to be the mayor of this borough. And it is a burden and a weight that you cannot carry in and of yourself. But with the burden of the Lord, which is easy and his yoke is light, you'll be able to carry it. And I pray over you a canopy of anointing today. I pray over you that every burden, every weight would lift off of you. I pray an impenetrable shield of the blood of Jesus. I pray around you a wall of fire and a hedge of thorns. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Ghost, lift every burden. Let your fire come upon her. Anoint her to do what she's been called to do. Touch her staff. Touch this borough. Thank you for raising up a Deborah in our midst. And village life ceased until I, Deborah, arose. And you are a Deborah. You've been called by God to bring the kingdom in this hour of history. You're not too old. You're young. And you have wisdom beyond your years. Even I'm giving you, says the Lord, a wisdom that'll unlock the closed doors, a wisdom that'll shut the mouths of those who would fight even against you. I'm causing one to be removed and another to be added, says the Lord. I'm going to deal with the obstacles. I'm moving in power. You heard rightly. Keep obeying. Don't let your knees buckle. Stand strong and see the deliverance of the Lord. And we charge you and commend you to the, to, the, to the hand of God and the favor of God to fulfill what God's called you to do. That dream that's within your heart, it's God. So thank you for raising up this woman of God, this man of God, in this hour of history, which we live here in the great state of Alaska. In the name of Jesus, amen. Would you please pray ongoingly for Mayor Edna DeVries? How many of you will do that? Would you pray every day? You need more prayer. I saw. There's a, there's a breakthrough that's taking place in the heavenlies. There's, uh, there's tremendous warfare over the valley and over the state. I, I really don't know why that is, but I'm in, I'm, I've got my own, I've got my own section of the wall I'm standing on and I'm with you.
And uh, I wish I could be there at that prayer breakfast. I'm going to be in Tucson, Arizona, but I'll be with you in spirit. God is great. Come on, put your hands together for the Lord. Let's get into this now. In, in the book of Ezekiel, uh, and I've had people email me and send me articles. It's really fascinating. Uh, the book of Ezekiel, starting in chapter 36, chapter 37, chapter 38, there's this event that'll take place in end time prophecy where Gog will come through the land of Magog, and you can go and read that. And I, I don't see myself as someone being corrected as I speak to you. I was going to say, I don't see myself as someone who's a scholar. And I would say that's actually been true, but I felt like the Lord said, I'm making you into one. So I thought, okay. So historically, I've really not been a scholar. I'm more of a um, crazy in love with Jesus, don't really care kind of a guy. And uh, I'm not one that's really taught uh, on end time uh, eschatology in a systematic way. Uh, I do understand a little bit, and I'm going to uh, bring that to you. I think one of the things about eschatology, Minister Barry is one of the, really is a great teacher of the book of Revelation, and some of you have been a part of that. The thing that's concerned me, uh, Dr. Haggerty, along with, uh, along with others, friends of mine, when people start talking and start studying about the things of eschatology, eschatology is the, thing, the, the study of the end of the age, the study of the end, the things of the end. They have a tendency to get weird. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm coming over here because I always feel more anointed when I stand next to you guys. They have a tendency to get weird. You know, it's kind of like they just start tripping out on when he's coming and oh and all this stuff and the mark of the beast and you know now the oh there's the beast the beast it's in it's in it's in Switzerland and it's this computer and it's this whole thing and there's all these conspiracy theories and all this stuff and it's creepy because it kind of mashes up with a bunch of truth that's in the word and here's what I find I find that many people that have given their heart to that, they stop witnessing, they lose their joy, they lose their fire, they stop bringing the kingdom. And I'm gonna tell you what's really important right now. Jesus in, devil out. What's really important right now, what's really important is that we stay on fire. We've got to be ready for all of that. Don't lose your spiritual fervor. Don't quench the spirit. Yes, this could be Gog. Beginning to move through Magog down in Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, it absolutely could be, and it absolutely could not be. And so, depending upon who you talk to, depending upon who you talk to, you'll get all kinds of different stories. I want you to turn to Ezekiel, and I'm, I'm, I'm setting up Luke 17. See, because if I just teach you the end times and I don't teach you some application of what you do in the midst of it, then I've failed you. You don't want to go back home after tonight's message or turn off the broadcast and be like, whoa, what are we going to do? You're going to know what you're going to do because I'm going to tell you. What do we do? I'm about to tell you. Ezekiel, come on, turn to Zeke. Ezekiel 36, verse 24 says this. I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all of the countries and bring you back to your own land. In Ezekiel 37, verse 21, and say to them, this is what 
the sovereign Lord says, I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. Let's read that again. I will gather them from all around and I will bring them back into their own land. I will make them into one nation in the land on the mountains of Israel. When they were studying this back in the, well, throughout all of history. I mean, after Israel no longer was a nation and scholars began to study this, they said, well, this is just totally impossible. Like that's what I, this could never happen. And yet in 1948, thank you. In 1948, Israel became a nation shocking the world. I mean, shocking the world in one day, a na the nation of Israel was birthed. And really since then, if you study history and you study what's going on, Jews have been being brought out of every nation, tribe. and Now you might not know this. So let me just teach you for a second. Solomon, that, that the sin of the sin of David, the sexual sin with Bathsheba, he was a man after God's own heart except for the situation of the issue with Bathsheba. That generational sin of lust was passed on to his son, who wasn't just a Bathsheba now, now it was a thousand wives. A thousand. He broke God's law, broke God's word, and the thousand wives led him astray and he became an idol worshiper. The man who had all the wisdom was as stupid as a box of rocks. The wisdom of Solomon. That wasn't real smart. Come on, how many of you know that wasn't real smart? And uh, the result of that is that the nation would be divided. And, and it is. And I don't want to get too much history, but you should know it. You should know history. And what it happens is the 10 tribes uh, to the north are eventually separated and set out. They're called the diaspora. They're the lost tribes of Israel. How many of you know that? I'm being really simple and going over a lot of history. They're the lost tribes. And they're all over. Nobody really knows where they went. The Assyrians, the way of destroying a nation is you just disperse them everywhere and you mix in culture and no longer, no longer do they have any culture to let me know who they are anymore. And yet, that's 2,500 years ago, and yet what's been happening since 1948 and probably before, Lord's setting it up, and certainly is happening now with Jews from the Ukraine, now, today, right now, all over, all over the nations, Jews are returning to Israel. And these lost tribes, and, and there's movies out and videos out, and you can go and look it up on Google, and you know, maybe it's there, maybe it isn't. It's hard to say with Google. So this tribe of Menashe coming out of India. We have a family here that's from India. Menashe is how they say it. You know what they've discovered? It's a tribe of Manasseh, actually. And you can start to look at these different tribes all around the world. There was a group in, uh, in Africa, and I'm trying to remember their name. It begins with the F. Well, they began to fly them out a number of years ago. They were returning to Israel, and they, they allowed them to come to Israel because they discovered they were the lost tribe of Dan. This is happening and has been happening. And as I stand to preach to you, this has been happening all along. And we stand here on this faithful night, not knowing what will take place 
in the days that are yet to come. But biblical prophecy is going to come about. And there will be this moment where God turns north and begins to move towards Jerusalem. And you can see that that's the fact in Ezekiel. Amazing. You say, Pastor, when, when is it all going to come to a close? When's the, end, when's the end of time? All right, I want you to get your calendars out. Go ahead. Go ahead, get your calendars out. Just write right across the top. I have no idea when the end of time is. And if anybody does come to tell you they, they know when it is, you want to run away because they're deceived. No one, no one knows the time. No one knows when the end is. Only the Father knows. But we can see the seasons. We can see, we can see the evidence. We can see that when the fig tree begins to bloom, then we know. We can begin to see things. When the, come on, when, the, when it's red in the morning, Sailor, take warning. But Jesus talked about you see the time, you see things in the, in the creation. And then, you know, in the same way, you can see the birth pains taking place all around the world. So when Russia, who is clearly Gog, and there are some people that would disagree. And maybe I, I don't know. I suppose maybe we're wrong. I, I, you got to be careful about eschatology. Bet your life on it. I've bet my life on some things before and found out I was dead wrong. I'm going to stand before the Lord how I teach and preach to you. So I believe that Russia is Gog. And, and there's a lots of proof for that. When they begin to go south and they, and they, if they go to march on or go through uh, Magog, the land of Magog, and they go to head towards Jerusalem, well, then you'll know that that is a fulfillment. There's a lot of people like, this is it. No, it's it if they start going south and they move south. That's why Crimea and Crimea, is that how you say it? Did I say that right? Yeah, all, of the, all of these different concerns. God's in the business of bringing about revival. Somebody said, what are we going to do? I don't know, but I think the fullness of the Gentiles is ahead. I don't know fully when time is going to come to a close. And they were certainly concerned about it in Jesus' day. And Jesus answers here in Luke 17... Jesus in this text gives us some understanding. The kingdom of God is both present and future. I want you to say that. Now, there are those that believe the kingdom of God has fully come. There are some cults out there, some, some, uh, some false teachers out there that said the kingdom of God had fully come. In fact, they even gave dates, Jehovah's Witnesses, to, to pick on them. You, you know, you just can't give dates. They're, they're on a, they're, they're, they, they remove things, change the word. It's, it's terrible. They would give dates. And when the date came and went, they were like, well, the kingdom of God came, but nobody knew it. I got news for you. The kingdom of God didn't come. And when it does come, then everybody will know. And that's what Jesus says here. But the kingdom of God is both present and future. Is what? Present and future. Look at verse 20 with me. Can I borrow your Bible? Mine crashed. Once having been asked to Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the kingdom of God does not come with your careful observation. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is within you. I want you to say that with all your heart. The kingdom of God is within you. Now, the, the, the NIV, there's a lot of poor translations. It really, it's among you. It's really the best way to say that. Another version, I think it's the New King James, says in the midst. In the midst. Everybody say in the midst. 
Okay, the kingdom of God is within you. I am now, I'm coming. I am now in the midst of the congregation. I'm among you. You could have said that up there and it would have been the same thing, but it wouldn't have been nearly as fun. So when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, who didn't have a clue, he's basically saying the kingdom of God is right here among you. In other words, Jesus is the king of the kingdom. Come on, someone say Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And where the king is, so is the kingdom. Come on, say that. Where the king is, so is the kingdom. And so what he says to them, he, he's, he's basically blowing up all their understanding. So powerful. In the midst. They were clueless that the anointed one, the Messiah, the Messiah, the one that we're praying, they're, they're clueless that he's standing there. The, the prophesied savior of the world, Isaiah 53 was in the midst of them. The one who would heal the sick and set the captives free. The restorer of the broken places. The healer of broken hearts. The opening of prison doors. The one who would do all of that was standing there and they had no idea. He said the kingdom of God is among you. The kingdom of God is within you. In Romans 14, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating. Some of you are like, oh, it's not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I love that Ron Canoli song. Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. How many of you know that? All right, I'm dating myself. <laughs> they had been so busy trying to attempt, uh, attempting to observe the signs that they missed that the kingdom of God is right there, and they didn't even know it. His name is Jesus. The king of the kingdom was standing in their midst and they had no idea. And then Jesus turns, look at verse 22. Verse 22. Then Jesus said to the disciples, so he's not talking to the Pharisees now. He already said to the Pharisees, yeah, the kingdom of God's among you. I'm, it's like, I'm, I'm the kingdom of God is what he says to them. And then he says to the disciples in verse 22, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Everybody say the days of the Son of Man. So he talks about these days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. The phraseology, Son of Man, is a familiar phrase to all Jews. They knew what he was saying. And that comes from, as I teach you now, turn to Daniel. It comes from the book of Daniel. And that's a Daniel chapter 7. In Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13, are you all there? Say, woo! Daniel 7 verse 13. In my vision at night, I looked and there was before me one like the a son of man coming with clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, sovereign power, all nations and peoples, every language worshiped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Daniel begins there in chapter 7 to talk about this messianic prophecy. The prophecy of Mashiach. The prophecy that the one, the Son of Man, is Jesus. So when Jesus is talking here to the disciples and he refers to the Son of Man, he's talking about the prophecy in Daniel 7. 
It's precisely what the disciples were hearing him say. He's basically saying, I am the Messiah. I am the son of man. And he didn't want them to be confused. And God doesn't want you to be confused either. Confusion's not of God. The disciples were not to be confused when Jesus would return and when, the, when all of time would be completed. And so he begins to make things really clear. There's a first and a second coming. I want you to say that. There's a first and a second coming. The first coming is Jesus in the earth. He walked the earth for 33 and a half years. He cast out devils. He healed the sick. He set the captives free. He is the fulfillment of the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And in over 300 scriptures throughout the Old Testament, fulfilling all of those. And the statistical odds of someone doing that and fulfilling all of these prophetic words is, we, we, it's, it's a number that's so big you just can't even fathom it. And yet he does it. But he's not just coming the first, how many of you know he came? Amen. He came. He fulfilled his mission. When he hung on that cruel Roman cross, he hung there and he said, it is finished. And he gave up the ghost. His first advent, advent means appearing or arrival. His first coming, the first coming of Jesus is over. Then he left and he ascended into the heavens. We are in the tension between the first coming and the second coming. He's coming again. Come on, someone say he's coming again. But scripture's really clear on this. Well, we believe part of our fundamental truths here at Kings is that there's this thing called the rapture. So Jesus comes, then he comes again, and in here somewhere is what's called the rapture. He said, the rapture's not in the Bible, I know. Catching away is the word that's used. Parsia, doctor. Parsia. Parsia. Thank you. That's the Greek word. Go look it up. We use the word rapture, but that's not what's actually there. But they mean the same thing. It's like car and automobile. Trinity's known in scripture. Just get born again and get rid of the strife for God's sake. Pseudo-intellectual moronacy. Is that a word? <laughs> Pastor Kirsten told me to say that. Look at verse 26. So under the rapture of the church, I want all the kids to hear me. I want everyone to hear what I'm saying. The rapture of their church could happen at any moment. When we had that 7.1 earthquake, I was getting dressed ready for a meeting. I was on a speakerphone. Remember the 7.1? I, th I think my son was, uh, I don't know, he was combing his hair or something, something I don't do. <laughs> and when that thing, when that place, when our house shook, and our house shook hard, all of our homes shook pretty good in this area, he had been reading about the rapture. And he thought, he thought, Jesus! <laughs> I'm sure I'm maybe amplifying that a little bit. But your kids ought to think about that. You, you talk to people who've taught their kids. They're like, I woke up and I didn't see anybody home and I thought it was a rapture. You know, that's not a bad thing. They'd be like, oh, no, we'll never leave you. No, there is a rapture and some people are going to be left. I said some people are going to be left. You didn't want it to be any of your kids. You don't want it to be your family. You don't want it to be anybody. I don't want any of you to live. Right now, if there's a rapture, some of you wouldn't go past the roof. 
like thud. Man, it's good to be home. Come on. Somebody lift your hands to heaven. Ah yes. So the first coming, the second coming, and somewhere in there, the rapture. We'll look at some of that scripture in just a moment. Look at verse 26. So he, he didn't want them to be confused. Like, like, you know, before we read verse 26, I, I remember this from a Dr. Morocco message. I think it was uh, in 1987, 1988, and a pamphlet came out, 88 Reasons. It came out in 1987, I think. 88 Reasons. Do you remember that? 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. I'm it's, it's some pretty short-sightedness right there. How many of you know he didn't come in 1988? 88 reasons. Oh, I just could give them one why they're wrong. 88 reasons, and it's, it went all over America. Now, raise your hand if you know, have you ever heard of that pamphlet, that book, 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming in 1988. And there was a family, a part of our church, all those years ago in the islands in Maui, when they got the pamphlet, they just got set on fire, Mayor. They're like, let's serve God. They're in morning prayer. They're winning souls. They're reaching their family. They're just living right. They're tithing. They're serving. They're praying. They're believing. 1988 comes and they're like, yes, 1988. And they're just going for it. And month after month, he's coming. He's coming. You know, January, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September. Jesus. Yeah, he's not even coming September either. October, November, December comes. What a month December would be. He never came, and that particular family got so discouraged that they stopped serving God, have never served God again. So let me say this to you. Gog, Magog, Russia, the end of the world, the coming, the second coming of Christ, the rapture that's next and the second coming. If you knew the rapture was going to happen by this time next week, what in God's name would you live like? Forget it. I'm going over here, over here. What would you, what would you live like if you knew this is it? This is the last week before last week. How will you live? How would you live if, if this is your last week? What would you do? You'd call every single Lord's healing your body. I said the Lord's healing your body. Be healed. Be healed. Be healed. Be made whole. What would you do if this is your last week? Listen, you don't know if it's not your last week or not. Look, no, I got some promises. Uh huh. I'm not so sure uh, if some of the promises we have aren't going to play out in the millennial reign. Uh, come on. I don't know. But if it is your last week, what are you going to do? Come on, if you just had one week, what would you do? Who would you call? He's like, I'd, I'd, I'd call my brother who I haven't talked to. Them. Let me ask you a question. How come you don't do that anyway? I'm not feeling the love. I'm going back to my notes up here, safe from all harm. Security. 
Verse 26, let's read this. Just as it was in the days of Noah, so it'll be in the days of the Son of Man. Referencing again, Daniel chapter 7. There's going to be people that are just engrossed in life. And it goes on to say that they'll be eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage, just as in the days of Noah entered the ark, the flood came, destroyed them all. Then he goes on to talk about Lot, and he goes on to talk about judgment on Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and I've heard it taught this way, but I'm going to give you a total brand new spin. I've heard it taught this way. Yeah, this is just like that. There's same-sex marriage and all these atrocities and so many abortions. And yes, I agree with you. Horrible. Like the days of Noah, very possibly yes. Yes, yes. Wickedness like Sodom and Gomorrah. I heard someone say, if, if God doesn't judge America, then he's going to have to apologize for Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, you and I are in America, so don't cry out for judgment too hard. Come on, the righteous and the unrighteous live in the same land, and I believe that God's doing something great. Is it true that it'll be like the days of Noah and like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah? The answer is yes, yes, yes. However, there's another view. They were engrossed in life. It's not so much of a, think about it a little bit differently. Think about, because I, I think, I mean, you're in church. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir. Do you know that expression? That, that expression means in the choir, they're up on the stage. They're all serving God. They're all filled with the spirit. They're all living holy. Right. And, and, <laughs> and so they're like, the, the choir just amen you. So when, I, when somebody says they're preaching the choir, they're, they're saying something that everybody agrees with. We're in church. All right, maybe you're new here, and I'm glad you are. This is an amazing thing, is that the, what he could also be referencing is they're so engrossed in life that they do not see the signs, and they do not know the hour. They don't know what's happening. And so could it be possibly Christian, man of God, woman of God, brethren and sistren? Could it be that you're so engrossed that you're missing some of the signs that would cause you actually to live differently? Amen. Amen. Many think that these texts here are referring to the fact that there's this evil in Noah's day, and it certainly is in Sodom's day. It could also be that they're engrossed in life and oblivious to coming judgment. That's the other side. There's judgment. There's judgment. There's a judgment seat of the believer. There's a judgment of the nations. This is a great white throne of judgment. There's five different judgments. And I want to tell you that every single one of us will stand before the Lord to give an account for our life. And you'll be judged based upon not the gifts that God gave me, but the gifts that God gave you. You'll be judged upon how, what he's been entrusted to you, the time that you have. I'm not going to be judged by you know, the administrative giftings that God gave Pastor Kirsten. Tremendous. Thank God. But you will be. Amen. I'll be judged by what he's entrusted to me. And many times I'm just, I'm experiencing a current miracle in my life. And I just, I'm just going to share it for a second. I was diagnosed with all kinds of diagnoses regarding my, is diagnosis a word? Okay. All kinds of diagnoses regarding my learning. And so at the end, you know, I had people tell me, well, you're just not that bright. And I knew they were stupid. So I just ignored that. The guy just learned differently. And so now all these years later, God gives me a mandate to go back to school. And currently, granted, I'm going into my ninth week, but I'm getting straight A's. Now, I'm going to just tell you, that's a miracle. 
and a current idea that I had about myself was not true. That there's a, there's a way through. Some of you have made a decision that you can't administrate or you can't do this. Or, I can't administrate. Come on, someone say I can. Don't look at me like that, you unbeliever. Amen. <laughs> Give me that pagan look. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You can do it. Come on, lift your hands. Yes! <laughs> I'll take that high five. Come on, son. Yeah. You can do it. You can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I was going to sing a song, but I couldn't remember which one it was. Don't quit your day job. I love it. All right. So they were oblivious to the fact of judgment. Yes, it's sin. Yes, it's the days of Sodom. Yes, Noah and all of that was taking place, but they were oblivious to judgment. And I'm telling you, do not be oblivious to the fact that there is a coming judgment. Let that burn in you the fear of the Lord. So Jesus' message really here in Luke 17, and my message to you is very simple. <laughs> in the words of T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on, someone say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. <laughs> Woo! Mm. The spirit and the bride say, come. It's not just the spirit, the bride also partnering with. Don't cling to the things of this world too tightly. Verse 31. On that day, no one who's on the housetop with possessions inside should go down to get them. Likewise, no one in the field should go back for anything. Wow. He's saying, don't be so concerned about your stuff that you miss the most important thing. Don't be so concerned about your money, about your garage full of things. You should have a garage sale and never fill it back up. I feel convicted. Anybody else? Jesus, help us. Don't be so concerned about your stuff. You're not prepared for the coming. There's coming judgment and reward. We don't even see judgment clearly. We, 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 we see judgment like standing before the judge, standing before the court, you getting served, and you end up in jail for a period of time. The, the judgment in, in the throne, I don't, I don't think, I certainly don't say that I understand much, but I know it's not like that. It's a reward. Bema seat is a place of reward. Bema seat is also the place of judgment. It's a place of reward. It's, it's a way of God acknowledging, not a way of God beating you. Some of you have a perspective of God that's not biblical. Come on, God's for you. Come on, somebody say, God's for me. Come on, say, God loves me. Yeah, he does. He's not trying to beat you up. He's not a loving slave owner. He doesn't drive you like that. He doesn't, he doesn't lead you with anger and beat you into, position, into submission. You get to choose to love him. And when you get to heaven, he rewards you. It's his way of saying, man, you did so good when you turned the other cheek. And you went the extra mile. And it's his way of just blessing you. And there's crowns. I said this morning, don't let any man steal your crown. That's kind of crazy that somebody could. With your permission. Turn to 1 Corinthians 7. It's so important. You know what spurred me to do this? Yes, Russia and the, the war. God, help our brothers and sisters 
in the Ukraine and in Russia, God intervene in Poland, Lord help. Yeah, that, 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 I mean, you, you got prophets now and people now when Putin sneezes, I read this in an article, somebody gave me when Putin sneezes, it's Gog. Gog, don't go into Jerusalem. <laughs> it's like, oh, and you got everybody teaching. I really don't know. It could be. How do you know? We'll know when we know. How do you know when Jesus returned? You'll see it. Everybody will know. But it was this time I had. Are you all there in 1 Corinthians? What did I say? 1 Corinthians 7. Read it in a moment. It's this time I had with this pastor. Um, um, pardon me, with a, a man that was a part of this church and his pastor. He refuses to teach on the book of Revelation. And, he's, and he doesn't, he said, I'm not going to talk about controversial things. I'm not going to, it's a big church, thousands of people. I'm not going to preach on the book of Revelation. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to preach on that. I'm not going to preach on the rapture. I'm not going to preach on any of that. Everybody can just figure it out. Oh, man. I'd hate to be him on that day. <laughs> I love how I say things. And then the Holy Spirit's like, yeah, what about you? I'm like, okay, we're good, right? Amen. You need to be careful the words that come out of your mouth. I learned a long time ago, don't you, don't you, uh, don't you backbite and talk stink about some other church. And once you, if you think this is the only church, I got news for you. It's not. And we have our issues and God's helping us build your church, build your church, build it from the ground up. We're about an inch off the ground. Come on, Jesus, help us. Ecclesia, 1 Corinthians 7, 29. If you're all there, say amen. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that time is short. All the children said, time is short. All the youth said, time. All the middle-aged people said, time. All the young adults said, time. And all the classics said, time is short. Is like everybody? Everybody's a classic, I guess. Awesome. Time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who are buying something as if they were, was not there, theirs to keep. Verse 31. Those who use the things of this world as if not engrossed in them. For the world and its present form is passing away. I want you to say that. What I'm living in will pass away. It, it's, you've got to have a view of eternity. I don't preach this all the time, but my God, we need it every so often because you've got to have the plumb line of your heart dropped perfectly in place with the truth of God's word that this is not it. There's coming a judgment and you'll be rewarded and you'll be blessed. But if you hold on to stuff and when that day comes, you think, oh, he's coming. Let me go down and get my stuff. I had that dream. It's impacted me. I don't even know what to say. It was, we went fishing. I was in my camper and it rained like cats and dogs for like a week, I think. It was the first night I was there. I was by the river and I had this dream. And in the dream, I knew, and I've shared it with you, that the end of all things was at hand. And I was standing in the earth, which sounds kind of extra, but I don't know else how to say it. I'm standing. I see the curvature of the earth and I see all of humanity. And I know that the end is here. I know that, that it's, it's over. In a matter of moments, it's over. Now, honestly, I don't know if it was a rapture. 
or I don't know it was just over for my life, or I do not know what that was all about. But I knew that I had just a moment. And in that moment, I checked myself. I was like, God, I just checked to make sure I'm okay. And then I saw from the east, and somebody said, well, how do you know it was east? Because it's my dream. You do your dream. I was my dream. I know it was from the east. And I saw from the east, and this bright light, and, and everybody was gone. And in a moment, in a moment, I was at the, in heaven. It wasn't the throne. It wasn't the pearly gate. I didn't talk to, you know, St. Peter. I'm in this place where they're distributing assignments for the millennial reign. That is a biblical thing because you'll have an assignment in the thousand year reign. It's important to know that. And you know, your assignment will be given to you based upon your faithfulness now. You'll be faithful in the little things. You'll be, make, you'll be made ruler over much now and in the age to come. The momentary light affliction, Paul says, is working for you a far exceeding weight of glory both now and in the age to come. The way that you respond to problems and trials now releases God's power, God's anointing on your life in an increasing way or will decrease now and in the age to come, talking about the millennial reign, talking about after the earth has passed away and a new heaven and a new earth comes. I mean, this is intense. So when you see Russia and all this taking place, and that's possibly Ezekiel 38, it's time to wake up for God's sake. It's time to, it's time to wake up. Are you guys okay? We better have some keys to comfort everybody. Would you come? Paul's saying, prepare for the coming of the Lord. Don't let anything rob you. Don't let anything steal from you. Verse 33. Back in Luke 17. Verse 33. Can I do that again? Thank you. Whoever tries to keep his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. Oh, and he goes on to say, I tell you, on that night, two will be in bed. One will be taking the other left. Two women will be grinding grain together. It's a picture of relationships in your home. Can I borrow this? Thank you. It's a picture of your relationship in the home, family relationships. Do you know that I have had people, they say, well, like, I'm not going to be in church Sunday, Pastor. I'm like, oh, that's okay. What's going on? Oh, yeah, my family's coming, and they don't go to church. Uh, and it, I'm not, I'm not, if it was you, I'm not thinking about you. I'm just saying I've heard it a hundred times. So what, what a great testimony to go anyway, to go anyway. Well, my family doesn't care. It's an hour and a half. Most of you, it's a 15 minute drive. Some people come from Anchorage. So it's a little bit further. Maybe you come from Eagle river. I don't know where you come from, but okay, let's call it three hours. You come to the early service, three hours. Well, I, I, I can't come because my, my, my family. Do you know something? You got to watch out for that. How about you live a standard and you stand up for what's right and you do the right thing. And then I'm going to tell you what happens when God blesses you and gives you these raises and promotes you and elevates you. And you have joy in the midst of difficulty and no fear. And no, no, you know, you're just not gripped by the things of the world. And they look at you and they're like, there must be something about that. What's the name of that church? What's the name of your God? His name is Jesus. Don't you, don't you be manipulated by people on the job. It's time. There's two different kinds of people in bed, family. It's a picture of the rapture. We'll look at that. We'll look at that in a second. 
and, and in work. You know, some people you have work relationships, you totally don't even act like a believer when you're at work. On Friday, you go and get hammered with them all, and then, you know, it's just like, well, I'm just trying to relate to them. I'm, I'm only good news for you, you should relate to them a different way. Gotta die to self. Everybody say, die to self. Don't let the closest relationship that you have lead you astray. Any relationship that you have that pulls you away from loving God, you ought to put that on hold. He said, what if it's my marriage? That's different. You're married, you're gonna have to work it out. You gotta pray, put oil in his shoes, put oil in her stilettos. I don't know. Probably don't wear stilettos in Alaska too frequently. You're married and you get saved. There's a lot of scripture about that. As long as your spouse is willing to live with you, then you need to be Jesus to them and you win them over. You say, well, that's impossible. No, because nothing is impossible. There's nothing more important than your relationship to Jesus. I want you to say that. Say, make it personal. Say, there's nothing more important than my relationship with Jesus. Nothing. What would you give up? What would you trade? Was there any amount of money that you would trade? See, Judas did this. Judas did it. And I don't think Judas did it so that, I don't think Judas did it so that he could, um, you know, just get wealthy. I think, I think he just justified things and well, man, I could just be forgiven or maybe this is just going to all work out. I think Peter did the same thing. He ran from a girl, cursed the Lord three times, and then the rooster crowed. I think Peter, self-preserving, trying to protect himself from being crucified himself, denied the Lord three times. What would cause you to deny the Lord? Come on, what would cause you? What, what, is there anything that would cause you to deny the Lord? You know, somebody said, I just want to be a martyr for him. Yeah, you know when that happens right now? Martyrdom happens every single day of your life when you live for God with all your heart and you deny yourself and you pick up your cross and you follow him. And I want to tell you that there's a great joy. There's a joy in surrendering to him and his plan that's not found anywhere else. Oh my gosh, he's amazing. Some of you are holding on to stuff, holding on to money. You won't get married. You haven't gotten married. God told you to get married. You're not getting married. You're living in sin. I'm going to tell you, don't do it. Stop. Stop it. I'm not talking to you guys. All right. You guys started looking all convicted and stuff. No, I'm teasing you. You know, it's hard to be pastor's kids, they say. They say. I didn't understand this. My kids told me, Hannah especially said, you know, it, it's not so easy to be a pastor's kid. Do you know what my response to that was? It was not good. So I'm just going to help all of the pastors online. I'm going to help all of you. It was not a good response. My response was like, are you kidding me? Let me tell you, I had to walk five miles in the snow all the way up to my neck. You get to, you know, you have food. I had to grovel for a bagel. You know what I mean? All the list of difficulties that I went through. yourself up by your bootstraps. This isn't really hard. There's people starving in different nations of the earth. I didn't handle that so well. But I'll just, let me say this for all of my staff, pastors, ministers, kids. 
You love these, you love these kids. It's hard to be all the way up front because kids say things like, you know, there they are. Oh, I got in trouble with my dad. Your dad? You mean Pastor Kirsten? Yeah. What'd you do? Didn't read your Bible or something? They say nonsense like that. You'd be, you'd be sweet to all of these kids here, would you? They've given their lives around the front line and they, they, you, pray, you pray for all of the past. You pray for me. You pray for my kids. You, I'm praying for yours. Some of, you, some of you need lessons on how to raise your children. Did I say that? Pastor Kirsten, did I just say that right now? So some, of you are, some of you are preparing to have a prison ministry because you refuse. You refuse to actually teach them. And you're just letting the, um, a free-range child-raising method. That's good for chickens. It's not good for kids. I'm trying to help you right now. So when the rapture comes, they've, they've been trained in the things of the word. They can, they can understand God's word. They have the fear of the Lord. They have a moral warehouse so that they do the right thing, not because you're going to crack them or give them discipline, but because it's right before God. So that when they get out of your house, they don't explode like shrapnel all over the place, having babies everywhere and, and, and having a life that's destroyed and end up on drugs and in jail or dead. They have a moral warehouse so they begin to live for Jesus. Not only now in your home, but after they get out of your house. How did I get on that? Must have been the Holy Ghost. Don't let it, your closest relationships keep you from the Lord. First Thessalonians 4. Let's quickly move along. So when's the rapture? Okay, you ready? I have no idea, but let's read this text. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 16, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Wow. What a service that's going to be. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up. There it is. That word. Parseia. How am I getting that right? Parousia. Thank you. Parousia. The Koine Greek. You pronounce it parousia, caught up. It's the same word that we use for rapture, caught up. It's, it's unique, caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we'll be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. You know, you're supposed to encourage people to say that there's coming a day. There's coming a day where you're caught up. Back in the 70s, they had a terminology. Hey, man, see you later. Like, all right, peace. Here, there, or in the air. <laughs> Here, there, or in the air. Matthew chapter 24. I'm almost done. Hang in there. Matthew 24, 22. In those days, Matthew 24, verse 22. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. This is Jesus. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, the Messiah, here's the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs, false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So I have told you ahead of time. This is Jesus. He's saying it's going to happen. This is happening now. All kinds of false prophets, all kinds of false messiahs, all kinds of false signs and wonders and miracles. 
The devil does signs and wonders and miracles. Don't be moved by signs, wonders, and miracles. Be moved by the word. Be moved by the truth. Be moved by God. Be moved by his spirit. Have asked for the gift of discernment. You need it. Just because somebody saw some miracle, that doesn't mean you just sell the farm and follow them the rest of your life. You follow Jesus. Come on, somebody say, follow Jesus. Immediately, oh, pardon me, verse 26. If anyone says to you, he's out in the wilderness, don't go out. Or he's here in the inner rooms, don't believe it. Everybody say, don't believe it. For as lightning comes in the east and is visible to the west, so the coming of the Son of Man. So is the coming of the Son of Man. There's that reference to Daniel 7 again, verse 28. Wherever there is a carcass, the vultures will gather. What does that mean? What is that? That, that verse 28 is so profound. There, there, where there's dead bodies, vultures will gather. I'm going to tell you something. And this is, you're here. You're the choir, if I can say it that way. You come to King, so I'm not so much talking about you. There's many people that listen online, and I'm so glad that you are, and will listen later on. The church that you go to is a matter of life and death, and I'll tell you why it is. If you don't go to a place that has life, and every church has issues, and if you think you're going to find the perfect one, and you think you find it, don't go, because you're the one that'll ruin it. Amen. The only, the only perfect place is when we get to heaven. So we're all working things out with fear and trembling. Live repentance and, and just try to be excellent and then do the best that we can. And the music's going to be too loud and the music's going to be too low and we're going to reverse lyrics every so often and, and just do stuff that, that might not be perfect for you. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. But there's life here. How do you know that? Look at the age bracket all the way across from the young to the old. We got babies, we got seniors, we got everything in between. It is red and yellow, black and white, all up in here. Chocolate chip, vanilla, butterscotch. Come on, butterscotch, yay! Got Polynesians, French people. You can't differentiate actually what, what mostly, what most color is here. That's a little bit of heaven. You know, that's a healthy sign. You have to go to, are you saying there's life here? Yes, I am saying that. And I'm telling you, please, for those of you online, find a church that has life, not one that has vultures. If people are running and, and leaving and there's strife and there's envy and there's backbiting, there's every evil thing. That's James. Where there's envy and strife, there's every evil thing. And I've, I've, I thought that was an exaggeration, but then as time goes on, I've been pastoring now for over 20 years, I see where there's strife. Then all of a sudden you hear, all of a sudden you hear, oh yeah, the secretary and the pastor or this and that, or that and someone's, oh yeah, this happened. Yeah, there's envy and strife. You say, is there envy and strife here? Nope. Why is that? I'll kill it. And so will every one of my staff and pastors. We love each other. We love you. We don't allow envy, strife, backbiting, and gossip. It's not allowed. You'll get corrected. It's not that it doesn't happen. It happens and it gets stopped. Stop. <laughs> and if you have a problem with what's happening, just call Pastor Kirsten. His number is 907-555-1212. No, just call the church. Just call the church. We'll meet with you. We'll talk with you. If you don't understand something, how come you have so many offerings? We'll help you understand all those things. I, I don't know what questions you have, but ask them. Because there are vultures that hang around dead, dead stuff, and you don't want to be amongst the dead with vultures over you. It's a picture, really, of judgment. Lift your hands to Jesus, for this could be the moment 
this could be the hour. <laughs> Lift your hands to Jesus. Love Him with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. When will the end come? You will be endued with power. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you.